Aloha, good Monday morning to all of you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us here on Spotlight Hawaii. I'm Yanji Denise, joined by Ryan Kalei Suji. And Ryan, we have had days and days of those triple digit numbers. So today we have a very important guest who we have a lot of questions for. That's right. Governor David Ige joining us now live from the Hawaii State Capitol. Good morning, Governor. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, you know, as Yanji just mentioned, we saw yet another day of triple digit cases again reported yesterday. Wanted to get your thoughts on where the state is heading with these latest numbers. And are you in favor of possibly bringing back some of those restrictions uh, that were lifted just a few weeks ago? Thanks, uh, Yanji. Thanks, Ryan, for this opportunity. Uh, certainly, I've been watching the, the daily case counts uh, grow over the last uh, eight, nine days now, and certainly it's a, a big concern for all of us. Um, you know, we are seeing uh, there's really no pattern. It's about um, individuals gathering in different uh, locations um, that have really caused this um, spike in cases. You know, we do monitor the hospital capacity, and I know that you asked, well, what would trigger us to um, impose, reimpose restrictions? Uh, it is about the hospital capacity, the number of COVID cases that we're seeing in the hospitals, uh, and those that uh, require um, ICU beds and ventilators. Uh, and, you know, we were doing so well, the number of COVID patients in hospitals and ICUs all across the state was very, very low at the beginning of this um, eight or nine day spread. But we've seen significant increase in the number of cases now that are in hospitals and that require um, intensive care and um, ventilators. So uh, it's, uh, we are watching it very carefully and working with the healthcare industry um, to keep it under control. How close are we to whatever that red line is? Is it a percentage of ICU beds that are filled by COVID patients? I mean, can you give us sort of more details on what those parameters might be and how we as the public can also try to monitor that so we can you know, reflect on what you're thinking? Yeah, certainly, uh, Yanji, there's really no bright line. I know that um, I get asked that a lot, but um, there re really is no bright line. Um, you know, the therapeutics and the drugs to treat COVID-19 has gotten a lot better. Uh, we do see that um, some of the breakthrough cases for unvaccinated individuals are relatively mild. So we are not seeing hospitalizations at the same rate um, that occurred previously. Uh, and that has helped us um, to uh, not have to reimpose restrictions. Um, but uh, you know, there's a couple of uh, steps that would occur prior. Um, as you know, we allow um, discretionary um, uh, hospital procedures to proceed right now. You know, anyone uh, needing any kind of um, um, discretionary uh, procedure can continue to get it at this point in time. Uh, we are speaking with uh, the hospital executives and talking about um, what steps would occur prior to. Um, you know, taking more drastic action. Uh, and certainly I think you'll see uh, stopping elective um, procedures and surgeries uh, and other measures to preserve hospital capacity would occur before we reinstituted uh, more restrictions in the community. One of the plans or, or the game plan has always been to get people vaccinated and the state seems to be stuck right at around that 60% uh, inching its way ever so closely to that 70% benchmark that you have 
laid out for the state. Uh, given where we're at right now, uh, what are your thoughts on this vaccination rate right now of, of where we're at, this, this slow march, if you will, to 70%? And is there any incentives or anything else that the state would consider adding on to incentivize those who may be still on the fence? We heard from the lieutenant governor last week who said he wanted to propose a $50 cash card uh, as an incentive to those who may not have been vaccinated yet. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, thanks, Ryan. You know, that's a great uh, question. We've been working with the, our private sector partners, really looking at other kinds of incentives uh, that would work. Uh, as you know, the communities all across the state are so different and, uh, and different communities are um, responding to different kinds of incentives. And it's not all about the total value that something might uh, present. It's really the value that the resident would see. Uh, for example, at one of the vaccination sites on um, Hawaii Island in the Kau area, uh, you know, just giving a, a case of water was uh, enough to get more people out to get vaccinated. As you know, many of those homes are on catchment systems uh, and a case of water is attractive. Uh, all the way across the island chain on Kauai, uh, one of the restaurants had given a $10 gift card to those uh, who got vaccinated, uh, and that really boosted. Uh, so I'm just glad that we have so much support from many um, private sector partners, and they're doing different things in different communities. All of them have encouraged more people to get vaccinated, which uh, is the big goal, you know, really driving towards 60%, uh, 70% vaccination. I know that we've been inching along uh, at, towards 60%, um, but we all need to continue to remind friends and families, if you know people who are not vaccinated, uh, just uh, encouraging them to get vaccinated. That's the best thing we can all do for our, moving our community forward. You know, those incentive programs that you just mentioned, the case of water or the restaurant gift card, those are presumably by the community as opposed to by the state. What are your thoughts on the state doing some kind of a program, the, the $50, you know, let's take the $50 incentive that the Lieutenant Governor proposed here on this program on Friday. Is that something that you think recovery funds should be spent on? We have um, spent funds, uh, recovery funds for both promoting as well as um, prizes and you know, that's something certainly we would uh, continue to look at. Um, but, uh, you know, as when we first started uh, the whole push, uh, you know, airlines were giving hundreds of thousands of miles away um, and um, hotels were giving um, nights and rooms away that valued at hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. So, you know, it's uh, different kinds of incentives respond differently to people. And, you know, we definitely are looking at um, the rescue funds that we received and uh, are being thoughtful about what would make the most sense in getting people and encouraging people to get vaccinated. Well, we know that other states are also dealing with this issue and some of them are taking actions at the state level. Uh, for example, California most recently saying that all state workers must show proof of vaccination or complete a weekly COVID test in order to even go to work. Uh, that's something that can be managed at the state level. Uh, we're seeing that happen also in other states uh, as they also battle this Delta variant. But what is What are your thoughts on anything like that happening here in the state of Hawaii? You know, Ryan, we, we do uh, measure and are thinking about uh, what would be the best public health um, program to implement for our state employees. You know, one of the things that um, the cost of testing has really uh, dropped significantly, and there are 
antigen tests now that are, are less than ten dollars uh, to administer uh, and delivers a, a fast and accurate result in 15 minutes or less. So the whole landscape of testing is changing and we evaluate all the time. Uh, as you know, we've had outbreaks in correctional facilities and jails, and we are looking at um, whether we should mandate vaccinations uh, within those um, job classifications. You know, we also are uh, testing more regularly um, those in those congregate settings um, because we know that um, we want to get ahead of the variants uh, and want to make sure that we can keep uh, those in congregate settings um, healthy and safe. You know, given our current numbers right now and what we know about the Delta variant, there are some health experts that say 70% is not enough, that the benchmark really is closer to 80 or even 90% vaccinated. Once we reach 70%, do you still intend to lift those restrictions? You know, Yanji, that is the current um, plan that we have. You know, we um, believe that that will make a difference. Uh, as you had mentioned, there's really no bright line about what would constitute herd immunity. Um, we do expect that we would see a reduction in cases. Uh, but, you know, we do have a microcosm within our state. You know, Lanai and Molokai have um, achieved 70% of vaccination rates in uh, those communities. And we do see the case counts uh, in those communities uh, less than they are um, in other communities across the state. Uh, so we still think that the 70% is a good target. Uh, we wanna encourage everyone who's not vaccinated uh, to reach out to their healthcare professional, you know, their, their physician or primary care doctor to really get the answers uh, to the questions that they might have that makes them hesitant to get vaccinated. You know, the, the upside in getting vaccinated is huge in reducing the severity of the illness and keeping people out of hospitals. Uh, and yes, there may be some side effects, but, you know, hundreds of millions of people all around the world have received the, the vaccines that we are offering. Uh, and the, the adverse impacts have been very, very small and few and far between. You know, in speaking with some of the health professionals that we've had on this show, one of the reasons that they say we are in this state is because, of course, uh, the Delta variant and overall community spread that they're seeing. And there seems to be some debate right now within the community itself over what types of events are allowed here in the state of Hawaii. For example, there are such large, uh, large events like the Aloha State Fair, which is attracting hundreds of people to gather uh, in an area like that. And, uh, you know, there are other people who are having smaller barbecues. They're trying to abide by the state, uh, the mandate of the group sizes. Uh, so if you can maybe clarify uh, in situations like the Aloha State Fair, what people are allowed to do, because I think that there seems to be a disconnect there and it's causing some conflicts, if you will, within the community about uh, the types of events that are allowed and that may be leading to this community spread. Uh, you know, Ryan, uh, it's always a challenge to try and create a framework and guidelines um, that can apply into every situation. But we felt that as we um, hit the July 8th date and we um, allowed for uh, vaccinated travelers to, to come without being subject to quarantine, uh, we did feel like um, we should be uh, reducing uh, some of the restrictions as you know, we increased the gathering size to 25 um, for uh, informal gatherings uh, indoors and 75 um, outdoors. 
And we did provide for uh, large events, especially those that are validating a vaccination status uh, to be able to um, accommodate more people. Um, you know, I know that many have questioned uh, the um, state fair and what the process requires is that they submit a mitigation plan to the county uh, and the county does have to approve um, the what uh, mitigation measures would be implemented at the state um, farm fair. But, you know, Ryan, I, I say a couple of things. I think we all can control the spread of the virus. And I think uh, I encourage everybody to take the actions that they can. You know, I definitely won't be going to the state fair. I don't think, I do think that it uh, adds a risk. Uh, and I think it's a risk that is not necessary at this time. Uh, for those going to the fair, I would encourage them strongly to wear a mask and, and try and maintain physical distance uh, from people because we do know that it's really close contacts that um, can um, accelerate the spread of the virus. Uh, you know, I, I encourage people, especially as we get back to reopening the schools, um, Yanji and Ryan, um, being successful in returning to in-person learning for our schools is gonna require an all of community effort. I think we all need to recognize what we can do to help it's about staying home from work if you're sick. If you do have symptoms, um, you know, a cough or shortness of breath or runny nose, uh, fever, all of those things that we've been talking about for 12, 18 months now, uh, you have to stay home and isolate and get tested, you know, if you uh, have a concern. Even those who are vaccinated, you know, even though the number of breakthrough cases is just a small fraction of those who have been vaccinated. We are seeing uh, in rare cases that vaccinated individuals um, exposed to uh, the, the virus can become uh, sick. And we do know that those cases tend to be mild. So, you know, sometimes someone would get a real slight cold and think that it's not anything. Uh, it could be um, the COVID-19. And so people should get tested if they get any of those symptoms that we've talked about. Uh, and so, you know, it's, uh, I, I would certainly um, discourage people from having large uh, informal gatherings in the home. You know, if you can verify vaccinations of those who are coming, I think that that's always uh, makes a much safer and healthier event. Um, if you don't know the status, then you have to assume that people are not vaccinated. And certainly I would encourage people to wear masks uh, and take other uh, mitigation to reduce the spread of the virus. Let's talk a little bit about schools. As you mentioned, they are starting up very soon. And what are your concerns about community spread within the schools? I mean, one of the issues there, of course, is that a lot of those kids are not old enough to get a vaccine yet. So what are the plans for the DOE? If there is an outbreak at a school, we know now per the legislature that that has to be reported, the, 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 the um, complex area has to be reported. Um, will there be school shutdowns? Will they go back to distance learning? What is the plan here? Because it really feels like these numbers are going up and we're right about to send our kids back to school to be gathered in close proximity. Um, they can't do the six feet. So so what, what are you concerned about as children head back? Uh, you know, we've uh, had a series of meetings uh, last week, Yanji and Ryan with, um, you know, the 
um, the leadership in the school system to really make sure that they're prepared uh, and that the state is really prepared to support them. Uh, as you know, we've been uh, instituting a series of surveillance testing in a, a number of pilot schools. Uh, we definitely have more uh, testing capacity now. And as I said, you know, the new antigen tests uh, can give us uh, results in 15 minutes or less, um, very highly accurate uh, and uh, much, much easier to administer. Uh, so uh, on the testing front, you know, we want to make sure that the schools have access to tests as we reopen. Um, you know, we remind parents and everyone in the community, once again, if you're sick, you should stay home. Uh, you shouldn't be going to work. Uh, if your children are sick, you need to keep them home um, because that's the way to keep everyone healthy. Um, certainly, we will be requiring students to wear masks, um, both um, inside um, and not so much outside, but, um, you know, the, the schools have a layered system of mitigation uh, that they'll be implementing uh, in, in public schools. Uh, so I think it's a combination of, um, you know, faculty and staff at schools being vaccinated, uh, certainly want uh, parents to be active uh, and aware. Um, if their children uh, have any symptoms, they should keep them home, get them tested. Uh, we are seeing more um, cases where parents um, get COVID and infect their children. Uh, and so certainly um, for parents who are not vaccinated, we would encourage them strongly to get vaccinated before the school year starts. Uh, and then uh, really uh, pay attention to the health of their children and keep them home uh, should they have any um, symptoms. You know, should we get to a point where we do see uh, an uptick in these cases in the schools, be it through uh, staff, teachers, or uh, these students, uh, could you see a, a situation where the state would have to essentially move back to uh, you know, virtual learning again, what that would look like. I mean, I guess there's a precedent now that it has been done in the past, uh, but is that something that is also being thought of and prepared for and knowing that this could be a possibility with the case counts rising as they have been? Yeah, Brian, you know, we, uh, as I said, you know, we had a series of really good um, discussions with um, the DOE and uh, Department of Health to really work through all of those scenarios. Uh, so the schools do have guidance about what happens if a faculty member or a student uh, becomes infected. Uh, they do have plans to uh, isolate and test uh, the individuals involved. They're prepared to have to shut down a classroom and, and clean and sanitize a classroom. Um, they're prepared to shut down a series of classrooms if, um, if that's what the situation requires. They're prepared to shut down a building if that makes sense, or the entire school, uh, if that makes sense. So uh, we also have um, contractors ready to test um, should there be a, a case in a, a school and uh, contractors lined up to be able to sanitize and clean schools should there be a, a COVID case. So, you know, Ryan, I, I would say this, the department is a lot better prepared as, you know, we've all learned to live with COVID and, you know, we have a much, much better understanding now about how to keep our students safe, um, the staff and faculty at a sc school safe. Uh, we have a better uh, tests available with quicker results. Um, and, you know, we are definitely prepared um, to get students back to in-person learning we do know that that has a huge impact 
on uh, on the students. You know, I want to circle back to the the mandatory vaccination for state workers. As as Ryan noted, California today announcing that state workers there have to be have to prove vaccination or submit to weekly testing. They are doing that ahead of any final FDA approval of the vaccine. You had said, I believe on this program or perhaps elsewhere, that you wanted to wait for the vaccines to be fully authorized before considering any mandates. Given how fast Delta seems to be spreading our community, are, are you willing to perhaps reconsider that and, and, and make those mandatory before there's full FDA authorization or is that sort of your red line, if you will? Yep, Yanji, we are looking at that, uh, you know, based on the Delta variant and the, the spreading of the of COVID-19 uh, in, in our community right now. So that is a consideration. We would prefer to have a full FDA approval. Um, we've been asking about what that timeline uh, looks like, and we really haven't gotten a response that makes us feel comfortable. Uh, so we are looking at um, what steps would be necessary to mandate that for employees ahead of FDA approval. You know, there seems to continue to be a lot of discussion around the visitors and the numbers that we're seeing here in the islands. Uh, of course, right now we know that the Safe Travels program uh, has been uh, changed or as it had earlier this uh, month that would allow those who have been vaccinated to prove it uh, by uploading their vaccination cards. Uh, given the numbers that we're at right now and the amount of people that we're seeing coming in, could you see a scenario where you uh, reinstitute some of the testing uh, and going back to what we previously were under in the Safe Travels program that required that 72-hour testing? Or do you feel confident with the way that uh, the program that we have set up now with the vaccination system? Yeah, Ryan, you know, we are getting better at verifying vaccinations um, held out of state. Uh, as uh, as you both know, we've been working with Clear and Common Pass and a number of other private providers that uh, are working to get access to um, vaccination data so that we can verify. Uh, so every day we're, we are able to uh, verify vaccinations in other states, more and more vaccinations in other states. Uh, you know, when I looked at the data uh, yesterday, about two thirds of those um, traveling uh, to the state of Hawaii uh, are claiming the vaccination exemptions at this point. About one third of those traveling uh, continue to get the pre-travel test. So I think both of those components will continue. I, I do think that it's been helpful to helping our economy recover. Uh, and I just wanted to remind everyone that, you know, the actual number of cases that we uh, trace back to um, Visitors here in the islands is uh, very small. Uh, it remains to be two to three percent of the cases that we see. Uh, and we are seeing actually um, more cases from residents uh, who travel and get infected and come back. Um, and, you know, about 20 percent of the cases that we see are actually residents who traveled uh, and, and got sick. So. Um, you know, we do think uh, for the most part that the Safe Travels program is working. Uh, I want to bring in the audience here. I, I, I want to assure our viewers that we do read your comments as they come in live and we try to incorporate those into our questions. Um, but Lloyd's got a question here that we kind of covered at the top, but I think we would like to circle back to, especially as we're sort of closing out the half hour, which is, is there a scenario where we might go back to lockdown and what will that be? I know you said that it's hard to sort of give us, uh, you know, clear parameters on that. I think one of the things that 
in the previous administration for Oahu under Mayor Kirk Caldwell, we had the tier system and we knew exactly, okay, this many cases, we go to this tier. Under that system, right now we would be back, I believe in around tier two, but obviously Mayor Blanchiardi is not following those parameters anymore. So there does seem to be this uncertainty, okay, the numbers are triple digits, like what does that actually mean? So can you give Lloyd and the rest of our audience sort of a framework so that as we try to plan, we know what you're thinking is on this. Yeah, thanks, Yanji. You know, that's really a, a difficult question. And, you know, Libby and her team and I struggle with it every day. I think the fundamental difference, Lloyd, uh, is that um, we are getting to the point that 60% uh, of uh, our community has been vaccinated. I think uh, we're at 66% or just under 66% uh, initiated vaccinations. Uh, and we we do know that probably in three or four weeks, you know, we'll get to 66% vaccinated. So that's a real difference as we look at, you know, lockdowns or restrictions. We know the, the majority of our community have done what we asked them to do. Uh, to, they've gotten vaccinated. Uh, so when we look at the restrictions and we know that uh, any restriction would impact those vaccinated um, and it's a majority of our community, that's what causes us to pause. Um, but the health and safety will always be uh, our priority. And if we see that our hospitals are on the verge of getting overrun, then we would be looking at reimposing. I do think that um, what we would be looking at is really gathering sizes and, and the size of allowable gatherings. You know, that seems to be driving the triple digit cases that we've seen, uh, both informal gatherings, uh, you know, we, we continue to see um, restaurant clusters uh, and other workplace clusters. Um, we continue to see clusters in churches and religious gatherings. Um, that seems to be driving the triple digits over the last uh, eight or nine days. Um, and we would try and focus as best as we can on uh, restrictions in those areas. You know, our time here is wrapping up, but I did just want to ask, uh, you know, just last month and even earlier this month, uh, Hawaii was the only state in the country that had any sort of COVID mandate uh, that did not lift restrictions. You kind of held firm with your belief that we needed to keep uh, the mask mandate in place and all those other measures in place uh, and really head towards that 70% benchmark. Now we're seeing uh, other states reissuing some of these mandates, uh, asking people to wear masks once again. And uh, kind of going backwards in that way. Looking back at it now, uh, what are your thoughts on, on the decision making that you've had uh, during this time and, and moving forward, uh, as Yanji kind of alluded to that 70% benchmark, are you confident that we can get there and, and really be able to lift some of those restrictions that people were calling on you to lift earlier? Yeah, thanks, Ryan. You know, it's always a challenge to um, um, make the right decisions, but you know, uh, Libby and our team are really focused on um, public health uh, and what's really in the best interest of the entire community uh, as we've made decisions. Uh, I'm Libby reminds me all the time that we know, we all know what it takes to fight against COVID-19. It is about wearing our mask when we're in gatherings and we can't maintain physical distance. It's about maintaining physical distance because uh, we do know that it's a close up person to person interactions that uh, causes the spread of the virus. Uh, and so, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I'm glad that 
our commitment to the community's health um, is uh, being acknowledged at this point in time. Uh, but, um, you know, we want people to get vaccinated. You know, we all want our children to get back to uh, in-person learning in a safe and healthy way. Uh, and it will require all of us in the community to do our part. We have to wear our masks, stay home when we're sick and isolate, get tested if it's COVID, um, uh, COVID symptoms, because we do want to know who uh, has uh, COVID so we can I isolate. Uh, keep your children home uh, when they're sick. Uh, that's very, very important. And, you know, do what you can to support the schools. Um, they, they want to do what's um, best for our children. And we do know that in-person learning in a safe and healthy environment is the best thing that we can do at the start of the new year. Okay, Governor David Ige, thank you so much for starting out your week with us. We see so many comments and questions. We know that the community is very concerned about these triple digit case counts, and we do appreciate your time this morning. Thank you. Thank you, Aloha. Well, Ryan, a lot to talk about there. Um, you heard the governor saying that he's not ready necessarily to reimpose any kind of mandates in terms of you know more restrictions, but they are watching hospitalizations and something that could be on the table would be lowering the gathering size, putting more restrictions on that, and perhaps changing some, you know, adding more restrictions back to the hospitals so that elective procedures would no longer be allowed. That's something that they did early on in the pandemic to free up space. That's something that we could see again. Yeah, but certainly something that they said that they are using as the metric to make those determinations. Uh, a lot of that will fall on not only that vaccination rate, which he continues to say that Hawaii uh, is going to stick with that 70% benchmark that he has set out and laid out for the state. We know that the state right now is currently right under that and adjusted about 60%, uh, but that they are continuing to really push that vaccination effort. But the hospitalizations and the, the capacity of the hospitals will be the metric to determine if and when some of those restrictions that were just lifted would be re-implemented. Uh, Governor also saying that he is confident with the Safe Travels program and the way that things are working now with the vaccine verification uh, option or to continue on with that 72-hour testing that is required for those entering the state, saying that about one-third continue to use the pre-testing format to enter the state uh, and uh, others using to upload that vaccination card, but saying that that process seems to be working well for the state right now. Yeah, and one thing that was interesting to note is that while he did highlight some incentives like a free case of water in Ka'u or restaurant gift cards in other places, you did not hear a full-throated endorsement of Governor or, or Lieutenant Governor Josh Green's uh, suggestion of the $50 grocery gift card. That's something that he proposed on Friday here on this program. The governor really stopping short of saying that's something they're pursuing. He says he's looking at everything, but um, you didn't really hear him embrace that idea. Yeah, so that, you know, we, of course, we heard that proposal from the lieutenant governor last week here on this program. If you missed it, we encourage you to go back and hear the lieutenant governor's take on what he believes would help to push those vaccination numbers uh, to the area where the state feels more confident and comfortable with it being. Uh, we're going to be talking to Dr. Libby Chart later this week about the Department of Health's effort to wrap up their vaccination uh, throughout the state, as well as concerns as the Delta variant and these case counts continue to rise here on our island. That conversation is happening on Friday, but on Wednesday, we shift our attention 
back to the tourism industry. Right, and we see a lot of you commenting that you're concerned that tourists are the ones who are bringing uh, the virus here to the islands. You heard the governor saying there that it's just about 2% of the cases. So we're going to be talking about tourism also as a whole, not just in terms of the virus, but also in terms of our, our economy. We know there's a lot of concerns about over-tourism uh, and the future of the Hawaii Tourism Authority. So we're going straight to the top there, talking to John DeFries, who of course is the CEO of that organization. What does his organization look like now that the legislature has changed the fun, fun, funding mechanism and also changed the amount of money they are getting? We'll be talking about that and the future of tourism in Hawaii on Wednesday here at 10.30. Remember, you can watch us on TV, Channel 50, KK Kai. They rebroadcast this program. Also, you can catch this as a podcast. So if you don't have time to listen live, there's a great way to do that. Search Apple, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts for Spotlight Hawaii. That's why we're looking forward to seeing all of you right back here on Wednesday at 10.30 with John DeFries. Aloha. Aloha.